Right, I'm absolutely, completely and utterly delighted to welcome a very dear friend of mine and uh, not only a dear dear Chelsea friend and friend, but I think arguably one of the most talented writers that's come out of the Chelsea community. And I, I tell you, and I don't ever, I never include myself in this because I've yet to write a book, but uh, of all the mates that I know, loads of Chelsea mates who have written books, but this man, I think, is borderline genius, I tell you, when it comes to writing books. Um, we've had him on the show many times before, just as just as himself, but we've also had him on to talk about his books. And whenever he writes a new one, he very kindly WhatsApps me and says, Chidge, I've got a new book. Do you want to talk about it? And I always say yes, because apart from everything else, it's lovely to see him as, as it is right now. Walter Otten, you absolute legend. How are you? <laughs> Chidge, I'm OK. Thank you. That is... Um... It's a very, very kind, um, very kind words. Thank, nice. thank you. And can I, it's great to see your face. Yes. I know that people are listening, but um, they're glad. Wanna... They're glad they can't see my face. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to buy you a Guinness and give you a cuddle. Oh, mate, tell me about it. I know, I know. Well, we, 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 we'll touch on that because it is such a weird time. And you know, we started doing the fan cast for the new season a couple of weeks ago, and that was the first thing that we all said on the show. It really hit us that we hadn't been to see Chelsea play mm. Liverpool that weekend, and we normally mm. would. And it's tough, isn't it? But hey-ho, life goes on. All right, now, the, the title of your new book, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, when, I, when, I got the, when I got the manuscript through and I, and I looked at it, let the celery decide, what on earth is he talking about, I thought. And then, of course, <laughs> you know, uh, towards the end of the book, it all becomes apparent, and actually so much so that I'm I'm not going to like I'm not going to reveal why why it's called that because I was going to ask you that but people have to read the book I think to get mm. that but it's a brilliant okay. it's a brilliant title uh, not least because um you know you and I have talked about salary for many years now in various yeah. capacities yeah but the first thing I would say really about the book waltz which is fantastic goes without saying but I I tell you what really hit me when I read it um it's absolutely uh, written like your brilliant CFC UK articles are, which tend to be, you know, you revisiting a match that mm. you've been to recently. And, and you mm. know, you write about the matches in such a completely different way from everybody else. You just weave characters in and stories and different narratives. So in a sense, the joy of it, it was like reading a 120-page CFC UK article with a bit more depth. Except this this costs more than only a pound. This book. <laughs> well, I would hope so, mate. I mean, it's worth it's worth every penny. I mean, the, look, the, just to kind of fill people in. I mean, basically, what you do, you 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 cover. I think probably two of the most memorable and unbelievable matches in Chelsea's mm. entire history, which is the mm. the semi final of the Champions uh, League in two thousand and twelve against Barcelona in Barcelona, and then mm. of course the Champions League final in in Munich. Um, mm. I mean, I mean, the obvious question is why. I mean, I, I, I know everybody has their own kind of, you know, personal memories of those two matches. It's probably the only two matches I can remember with any kind of vague detail. Mm. Um, and I just think, God, that's quite that's quite a challenge in a weird sense because everybody knows the story so well. So was that quite daunting mm. doing that and sharing your own personal story on that? Um, it wasn't. I'll tell you why. It's like it's like the Titanic. Everyone knows how the Titanic ends. You know, the ship hits an iceberg. Um, and I've never seen the film with um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, if I'm completely honest. However, it was probably won a lot of Oscars and was one of the biggest uh, selling films in the box office, probably right up there. Everyone knew the ending, but it was, I suppose, the journey from, you know, from however it was put together. I haven't seen it. So everyone knows that Torres rounded Valdez in the last minute to equalise for two all. Everyone knows that um, Drogba scored the winning penalty. But it's my it's my journey there uh, with those uh, with those people around me, um, and it was also really therapeutic getting it all out. Um, hopefully, this will become obvious to the reader right from the first page. Is that I'd um, or and by the end of the first chapter they'll they'll kind of know without spoiling things. I'd actually been signed off work with some quite uh, a few health issues, um, which actually got worse the longer I was signed off. Um, and so the 
those games, um, they gave me uh, they gave me a lifeline mentally. Um, they gave me uh, they gave me a, tri a trip with with friends, and as we all know, it's friends, it's your mates that hold you together when things uh, go tits up. They're, they're the ones. The, the funny thing is about a Chelsea game is is that you know in the diary you are going to be in that pub at that time at the end of the week, and so mentally your whole week or your whole month or however long it's been before you went to a game, you know that you're going to be there, and whatever happens during that week or whatever's going on in your life with work or your marriage or your or, or your kids or, or whatever's going on, you've got those people to your left and to your right that you're going to have a drink with. And even if you don't talk about what's going on, it's a medicine cabinet for you. Well, that's how it is for me. Um, and so I think um, on the, on the journey to, on the journey to Barcelona, me and, me and, um, me and Larry, we flew to, um, we flew to Valencia because it was cheaper and then got the train in. Um, so that, that whole section, uh, he was going through a, a really difficult time in his marriage in that moment, which is talked about in chapter one. So you've got these two fellas who have been going to Chelsea since they were together since they were teenagers, feeling that life had ground them down. But we had a semi-final of a match where we all kind of knew the ref would probably rip us off again. And no, that's how we kind of felt. We had Frisk and then we had the Norwegian ref of Rabia, however you say his name. And we sort of kind of knew we were going to get done. And then what happens happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, actually, I, I kind of. I was going to talk to you about, you know, reading a couple of passages out, but I, I have to say that the two that I, I bookmarked were, the, the just the most visceral. Uh, I mean, this is the thing. You know, the thing. If people haven't read your books before, first of all, they need to give their heads a wobble. But secondly, <laughs> it's it's. You write in such a visceral detail. It's quite how you bring things to life staggers me. I mean, I, I've done a fair bit of reading, as you know, and I like to think I can write, but you just bring it to life in such an incredible way. And I think actually that's the thing that struck me about the book. You know, you've kind of covered stuff that everybody has, you know, everybody knows what they were doing at those moments. They, everybody's got their own version of it. But you just bring. Uh, your your kind of experience of it to such visceral life it's incredible so anyway there was that 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 bit when you know at the final whistle or was it after uh torres scored i think and then mm. um you know your description of the scene and the and the pub you ended up in for the champions league final was just just mm. brilliant i mean it just it's very cinematic actually walls mm. uh, mm. you you feel like you were there with you and mm. that's a real talent mate i have to say thank you Thank you. I, I actually, uh, I would have to probably say that going back to what you're opening about CFC UK, I always knew when I was getting in the rhythm of writing for fanzines, I think I sent my first one in when I was 16 to the Chelsea Independent. Um, I always knew there were people um, tactically that would see things that I don't see. And so I would quite, I'd be really interested in their take on things. Like Joe Joe Tweed Tweedy, for example. Yeah. Also, like the like financially, I don't you know I'm I got F in maths and retook it and got an E. <laughs> but when that, that fella Swiss Ramble when he breaks down, yeah. um, the finances of a club with wages and with uh, TV money and that kind of thing, so that w really gets to me. And also, there are people that are writing match reports. So and so hit the bar after 25 minutes and there were four corners. There's other people that do that better than me. But when, when lockdown first happened, I actually had just changed job. New job in March. I worked for all of March, a new job in education. And then the school locked down in April. And so after a couple of weeks, I started to get twitchy, like mentally, like, and, you know, like, like we all have all done a little bit. And I saw an advert, uh, uh, Martin, uh, Martin Knight had sent out a tweet saying he'd done a book with Irving Welsh, John King and Alan Warner. Now, going back to when John King's, when I started first started reading John King's stuff, probably back in the sort of 96, 97 type, I thought to myself, that's who I want to be like. I won't, I won't be like him. <laughs> the guy's a genius, but that's kind of the level I want to get to. And I, before writing, I would often read a chapter or two of um, John King's work. That read quite a few of Irving Welsh's. Then I thought, who's this Alan Warner fella? So I Googled him. 
and I bought six of his books in order and read them all throughout April and May. So when I started working on Let the Celery Decide and started filling some bits in, I would say something like, I flicked my cigarette against the curb and then pushed through the garden gate. Alan Warner would write it. Um, I fiddled with my goldfish orange lighter in my pocket, flicked my cigarette, watched it hit the curb as the orange sparks flew up into the air. So he brings like another layer to it and then he'll describe the garden gate, the rust, the rust on the garden gate. So I guess like I just, just getting immersed in some of the Alan Warner stuff um, got me uh, kind of like maybe tuned me a little bit to, to write. And also a shout out to my sister, Naomi, my big sister. She, so she read, she, she will read what I've done and go and just pick up loads of things that I've missed. You've got the tense wrong there. Explain that better. What, you know, and I can take criticism from my, from my, from my sister as for those who've got a sister <laughs> will testify to. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess that's your, your, your words are very kind. And I, I, I guess that I would have to say Mr. Warner and Mr. King have helped me greatly being inspired by how they construct and describe things. It's brilliant. It really, it really hooks you in. Um, I mean, you've kind of alluded to this and I mean, it, as you said, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not just abundantly clear from the first chapter. It's abundantly clear pretty much from page one. And, and I know this cause you and I've known each other for a long time, but you know, you were you were suffering quite a lot with your mental health at the time. You're going through a very, very tough time. And actually, you know, having read the whole book today, I thought it, what was really fascinating was that it's it, it's like all good, you know, good books. There's there's a parallel theme running through it, and but it's 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 linked together. And actually, if you remember, you know, Chelsea. No, none of no, none of us expect. I mean, you said you went to Barca and you expected to be turned over and mugged off again because that's what would happen. And then we end up playing Munich in their own backyard. And again, you know, none of us expected us to win. Half the team are out bloody injured. I mean, it, it was just, you know, it was written in the stars that we were going to get our asses handed to us. That's the reality. So yeah. we, you know, Chelsea as a team was struggling. They were hobbling along on one leg and they had been for a while. And in a way, I think it kind of mirrors your struggle as well. And I mean, you mentioned Larry, you know, your mate Larry, and I, the, 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 you know, what you said a minute ago really resonated with me. It was like two little lost souls in Barcelona propping each other up, in a mm. sense. But actually, you could extend that metaphor and say, you know, kind of wobbly Chelsea were, were, were propping us up, in a sense, those of us that were struggling at the time. There's a really interesting parallel struggle going on, I think. Mm. Um, I wasn't co I wasn't conscious of that at the time back in 2012, sitting down in lockdown at my desk. Um, I'd set my alarm for 5:55 in the morning with a little um, little message: "Get up and write, you twat." So I'd <laughs> I'd get up, <laughs> look in the mirror, give myself a nod, and sit down and write. And it, then I then you're right, saw the parallel. And even you say, you know, hobbling on one leg. Um, before before the Barcelona game, I'm, I'm a bit foggy on the dates, but we played Fulham away and Arsenal away, both in quick succession. I actually couldn't get out of bed yeah. for the Arsenal game. I think it finished nil-nil, I, I think. Um, the Fulham game, I got there and it was an hour, about an hour before kickoff. I was with Sausage Rolls. I think Winston was there as well and I was with Larry Champagne-Les. And um, it was about an hour before kickoff. I said, I, I got up to go. And they said, why are you going now? It's an hour. I said, it's going to take me an hour to walk from the eight bells to the ground. I was, I was utterly exhausted. Yeah. I had nothing in my bones. And I've got Champagne Les one side of me and Larry the other uh, walking to the ground. Now, um, one of the reasons why Larry is called Larry is because that's what he was called in my book, The Red Hand Gang. And also because I had to get permission from him, from him and his wife to use um, part of their story in there. Um, which was really difficult for them at the time um, with a, a failed IVF, another failed IVF um, um, treatment. And so their name, I wanted to, they didn't want to put their real names there because it's, it's just, it's not, it wasn't fair on them, but they said they gave me permission to be able to use, uh, to use the story. Um, and also like with the medication I was on, I couldn't drink um, alcohol um and so you've got this bizarre 
um, thing going on where I'm at the semi-final second leg of the European Cup and I can't have a drink. <laughs> oh, no. If I had, I would have been very, I would have been even it more ill. I would have been, and I would have put myself in jeopardy and I would have, it would have been my friends, Larry, Larry would have had to look after me and that wasn't fair on him. So there was no way I was going to have a drink. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and I, I'm very much mindful. I really don't want to make this about me and my story there, but I, I, I have to share this kind of reverse alcohol story with you about Munich. Um, I mean, I got, I got a, a you know, the ridiculous. I, actually, it was bizarre. The plane I got on, I think, I'm, I think it was probably chartered by ex headhunters or something. There was lots of very, <laughs> there was lots of very old, bald, frightening blokes on there at about three in the morning in Gatwick getting taken. I'm thinking, how, how have I ended up on this? it's the only flight i could get for a couple hundred quid or something so i'd been there since stupid o'clock and had the the worst fruistuck ever imaginable but anyway i ended up in 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 the uh augusteiner beer keller just north of Hauptbahnhof, as we used to say on the fan cast met up with all my lads absolutely tucked into that wonderful german lager uh got absolutely wankered as you expect and then, then we travelled up on the tube, and it was, it was, it was awful. It was, it was like, it was almost like a Hillsborough crush. It was terrible, mm. terrible. Mm. People were really frightened. And what it did, it sweated out all of the, the booze I'd been drinking. And I, I basically mm. turned up at the Alliance with a hangover. I had like a migraine, yeah. seriously. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, I, what do I do, man? What do I do? I know I need more booze. That was obviously my pissed logic. You know, thinking I need to get back there so that I don't think I've got a headache. So I went up and bought a pint. It was an alcohol-free lager. Of course, waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is that that was eight years ago. But there's loads of people our age who have been drinking the Heineken 0% percent um, because we know <laughs> we know that. Uh, well, it's um, some, so, yeah, sometimes you you know you got to look in the mirror the next day and you got to think to yourself, I want to drink, but I can't have a drink, so I'll have a Heineken 0%. Whoa. Um The same thing happened to Larry in Barcelona. He goes, I got a pint. I went, it's 0%, mate. <laughs> I, know. I was very gutted by that, so I watched the entire game with a migraine, but never mind. Um, I mean, you know, give give. I mean, again, you know, and this is typically you. I mean, I I, I know you well, and and I know what a brave soul you are, but you know, it's it's. And I, I kind of speak as a therapist here, really, Waltz. You know, I, I mm. just, I just feel it's incredibly brave to write about your, you know, your mental health struggles in, mm. in a book, which is what you've done. I mean, was it difficult to write, or was it cathartic for you? It was, it was both. Um, I found myself being incredibly grateful um, to to my wife for standing by me. Um, as, as I, I do say, it's a bit of a spoiler for the book. You know, I have a conversation with her where I say, um, find someone that can look after you financially, emotionally. And my depression was at a point where I I would pray to the God I believe in to, to take me so I wouldn't wake up in the morning. Mm. Um, and that's the, the, that, that's the incredible devastation of, of depression is that I can have, the most beautiful wife um, and the most beautiful children, one of which, one of which was a miracle baby. Um, and, and I would say that prayer at night, but I got up every morning and took my son to nursery. I got up every morning and took my daughter to school. Um, and my father-in-law, who's had six children, said to me, I was working um, all, all the hours God sent and I never took my kids to school and I never picked them up and so I was looking for the beauty in the illness in the illness yeah and that happened that happened every day I remember bumping into well, I was walking to my son's nursery to pick him up and I bumped into a, an old boy he's just walking towards me and he was shuffling along and I said oh I said oh you, you're right because he, he didn't look right and he told me his story about um, what was going on with him and he's a, he was an ex Salvation Army like trumpet player or something like that. And then we stood in the street and we both said a prayer. And then I walked back onto the nursery and I thought, did that you know did that really happen? Um, so that in each day there was there was there was beauty there was beauty in the darkness if you like. And um, so when I was writing it, it was it did feel like a release, but I also got a little bit traumatized at times. Mm. And you know some of those old habits kicked in. I just thought. Phew, 
mate, I need to go and buy 20 fags and sit and have a pint. And I hadn't bought 20 fags for like six months. <laughs> um, but then, but then analysing that, I'd be like, I need to walk. So I did two 22 mile walks and one 18 mile walk and then another like 12 mile walk. Um, so I was, I was getting out and I'd have a writing day, a walking day, a family day, a DIY day, a writing day, a walking day. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, listen, you know, I'm, I've always said as well that the, the heroes are the, those with, you know, who work for the emergency services. The heroes are the ones that, are, you know, are in the armed forces and the heroes are the ones that are the glue that hold the communities together in a, in a, in a crisis. I've just been very, very blessed. And with my depression, there was a way out, which took a long time. Um, and I still have a lot of anxieties. I still have, you know, you describing them getting on the getting on the tube. I've heard that described a number of times by lots of friends i would never have been able to step on and um a lot of, a lot of you listeners you'll know you'll know hungarian dan goulash Gary yeah, yeah, yeah. so we were, we were on the way to west Ham once and um um i said i i just he said you're right i've just gone pal i said i can't get on that i can't go down the tube to the tube station he just um he, he just held it a cab went past a minute later bang we got a taxi to upson park and um yeah so probably leads on to one of your questions about the ticket which we can talk about now or later no no i'm gonna i'm, I'm saving that one up i'm saving that one up right, we'll pause we'll pause pause that then. one you, we'll, we'll we'll do that one later because it ties in with all right that well, after ties in with this no that's all right we can we can do it later it'll it'll work but um i mean you know again what comes across uh waltz is is you know what a, what a fighter you are actually and as i said it really does come across if you kind of you know get underneath it a bit um and i mean i've only read it once so you know but i, I think i got this that it, it was a struggle it was a fight but you 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 kind of just had that 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 in innate sense to focus on what you had to do to pull yourself through and, and as i said in a weird parallel it, it just mirrors i think what happened what was happening with chelsea at that time it's yeah. I mean, whether you plan that or not, I don't know. In terms of the book, if you did, you're mm. an even bigger genius. But it, no. it, it's <laughs> well, it's amazing how it does parallel. That's what really came out to it for me. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't planned, but just you know, just when you said, I actually wrote it down when you were talking hobbling hobbling on one leg. Mm. You're absolutely right. That yeah. summarizes it perfectly. They wouldn't give up, and nor would you. I think that's the point. And they needed each other. Yeah, and you needed yeah. you needed your mates, and I think yeah. you know th this goes into the next question quite beautifully because, you know, we talked about this a minute ago, didn't we, with the whole COVID thing. The other thing that comes across this book, and okay, you know, we don't see you as much as we would like at Stamford Bridge or or away for various reasons, but I'm I'm always delighted to see you whenever I see you at the bridge. And of course, now you're so famous, you have to like ration your visits to the local <laughs> pubs around Stamford Bridge. So I maybe only get to see you for a quick pint. But, you know, that for me sums it up. That That is what going to football is all about. It's it's yes. catching up with your mates. It's seeing them. It's it's sharing that. You, you talk about liberty and carte blanche in, in the book, but there's mm. a real liber, liberation to going to football, I think. You forget about all the shit that you've had to go through in the week. Mm all of your troubles mm. you, you 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 are embraced by a whole group of people that you probably only ever see at the football they don't care about mm. what you do as a job they don't care who you vote for they, you know they don't nobody cares mm. we're all in the moment together mm. and it's just such a unique thing and my god i'm missing it like hell mm. and actually reading yeah. the book reminded me why it's so important and what i'm missing so much mm. Mm. uh yeah, you saying that, I just jotted down two names. Um, Athens John, or Flemers. Yeah. And European Bob. Now, I walked into a pub. It was I'll tell you when it was. It was August the 31st, 2019, before Chelsea-Sheffield United. And, you know, 13 months ago, can you believe it? And I've walked into the pub. Flemers is there. Nina's over from Switzerland. She's bought me a bar of Ovaltine chocolate that you can only get in Switzerland. <laughs> and then we're having a drink. Time goes on. And I suddenly realise that European Bob and Athens John are sitting together 
yapping away. And they had been for ages. And I went, hang on, you hate the Tories. You love the Tories. You, like, they, they, they've, argue on, they've argued on social media for about 10 years. In fact, Plemmer's got, has been kicked off it so many times he hasn't come back to Twitter. <laughs> and, and they both looked at me and laughed and they both pointed to the door of the pub and uh, Bob says, when we come in, we leave it all at the door. Yeah. We leave the politics at the door. We, we leave the things that are going to cause, that we disagree with at the door and we have a drink and we talk football and we talk family and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and again, you know, the thing, the, there's two things that really irritate me about going to Chelsea. The first thing is, is that none of my pals all drink in the same pub. So I'll go to the Fox in Putney and see Drewsy and Lorch and Brad and Seb and Frankie and all those guys that are there. And then I'll go to the stall. Then I'll go to wherever Champagne Les, Barsley, Intelligent Keith and Mascot Tommy are drinking and see them and their gang. And then I'll come to the cock and see you and uh, and all the others that you have a drink with, you know, Satnav and all those sorts of people. So it's, I've made it work for me that I'll have one or two pints, boom, and then move on. And then the Atlas afterwards, maybe there's Debs and Julie and and um, and a few others. And, and of course, I'm just going to, of course, I'm going to say Woody. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, a few listeners out there, just raising my, my Chelsea glass of a, of a drink to Woody. And um, and that's you know that's where football is. It's like a plumb line. When my dad used to uh, do the decorating, do the wallpaper, and he'd have a plumb line so the the wallpaper would put, put be together in a neat line. And Chelsea's the plumb line mm. uh, that is is there. You know, it's there in your life. And it's just, it, there's the solid friendships. There's the solid uh, time together. And um, yes, yeah. It's tough, isn't it? I mean, we're missing it. But I mean, I said to you a minute ago, didn't I? It's really, really hit me, you know. And I'm a grown-up, mate. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a therapist, mate. I know all about all this shit, you know. But I tell you, mate, it's really hit me. I, as you know, I mean, the listeners won't know this. Well, me and Waltz do, but this, of course, is a momentous day because it is uh, CFC UK deadline day. I thought it was next Friday. <laughs> no, don't. I was going to say you ruined my gag because, of course, you, oh. you know you know that I don't do mine until about oh. <laughs> half eleven tonight, right? Which is true because I haven't started it. Of course, I'm, no doubt you wrote yours months ago because I know what you were. No, right. I haven't. All right, okay. I well, I mean, the thing is, what what I, I, I you know I'm not about, I'm about to kind of like you know, uh, it's like uh, revealing your magic trick, isn't it? But. Uh, I don't ever start them until like the last minute. I, mm. I don't know. There's a perverse sense of me that just likes to make DJ sweat a bit. I think, but um, the reality is, I, 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 I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how you write, but I, I, I have the ideas floating around in my head. Mm. I, I've written the articles in my head. It's mm. weird how I how I do it. So I, I can just do it tonight in an hour and it's done. But I, I mean, one of the things I'm going to write about tonight absolutely is. Is is the psychology behind all this? Why we're missing it so much, and, and mm. why it is mm. so painful? And I think, again, mm. you know, your book captures that so beautifully about why it's important. But I think, you know, again, what comes through clearly is 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 mates pulling you through, as well as the actual the drama wrapped around the football that yeah. pulls you through. It, you know, the football itself is a great distraction, but you know, it's your mates that hold you up. And I th and the you know one of the most moving things in the book for me is, uh, you know, and I mean there are so many stories that I know. I know people, mates of mine, went there with no ticket. I mean, you know, to be clear, people in the book, Waltz goes out to Munich. He doesn't have a ticket, all right, but he does write in his diary that he is going to get given a ticket. Yeah, I don't know what he'd been smoking, but anyway. So he's out. He's gone out to Munich. He's expecting to watch it in a, in in one of the big beer gardens or something. And then what happens, Walt? Well, what happens is, is that I'm watching everyone drinking because <laughs> you're not drinking. <laughs> and um, I actually, I remember sitting down with Simon Lorch, and I remember saying to him, he said to me, "Are you alright? You having a beer?" And I ended up telling him like about my health journey. I remember, I remember clearly speaking with him. And then there was all a big sing song in a pub and all that. And then I went back out to the beer garden where the people I was with, my other friends that I was with, 
and then I just get called. I get called um, Waltz, Waltz over over it, and it was Simon and uh, his mate Fingers. And uh, I called him Fingers because I was coming down the stairs at Goodison. I was up a up a tier at Goodison Park one time, and I come down the stairs to the lower tier, and I see Simon with a couple of his friends, and I, I didn't know who they were. And one of them's got his hands down his trousers, like rearranging. And um, he goes, Simon goes, oh, this is Tom. I went, hello, Tom, and instinctively put my hand out. And he put his hand, took his hands out his trousers, <laughs> put his put his fingers under his nose, then my nose, then shook my hand. <laughs> so I've, called, I've called him fingers ever since. Anyway, sometimes boys do that to each other. I've, I don't think I've ever done it to anyone. Anyway, so fingers calls me over, and um, basically um, he gives me a ticket to the final. Um. And I, I just remember coming back from Barcelona and sitting with the Doris in bed and telling her all about the day. And I and I remember round, it was Real Madrid, Wednesday night, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich to see who would play us in the final that night. And I saw I had one eye on it and then we were just talking. And I said to her, I think I'm going give, to get given a ticket for the final. She's like, yeah, whatever. And I said, I'm going to write it down. So I wrote it in my diary on my phone and, um, and it happened. Fingers gave me a ticket. Um, and the way he came about that ticket is described in the book. Um, and then going back to your point about, you know, earlier when we were talking about the tube and stuff like that and, you know, where my health, you know, where my health was at. Um, I already had in my head that if and when it happened, I wouldn't go because there was no way that I was going to be able to get across the city um, and be able to be in that environment without going back to you using the example of hobbling on one leg, I was going to need my crutches and one ticket is one person. And I knew in my heart and, and that was okay. And it was okay that I didn't, I didn't go. I was, and I, before I wrote this, I remember talking to a couple of people about, about this and um, I'm going to break one of my new year's resolutions, which was never to swear again. And they were like, fuck off, mate. You fucking done that. And I was like, oh, there's a story behind it. And they're like, you're a twat, you know. What sort of prick gives away a ticket to the European Cup final? Well, that, um, is, that is a valid question, to be fair. Yeah, it is. But I think when you read the book, you'll probably see it. It'll be a bit like asking someone who had nearly drowned or drowned and then been resuscitated to go for a swim. You know, I couldn't swim. And it took everything in me to get to where I was. And some people like they pat me on the back. They were like, oh, you know, someone else went on that ticket. You know, you gave it away. I see it differently. I see it as fingers gave them that ticket. I was just a bridge between a transaction. Um, and I have never once wished that I hadn't done it. Never once. Wow. And, and, the, and the book will... The book to that. I mean, I, you know, I a friend of mine, Dennis. I, I was between jobs back in 1998. He he took me to Stockholm for the Cup Winners' Cup final, and he said, "I don't want, I don't want a penny." Um, I've seen us win the FA Cup, the League Cup. I've seen us lose three Super Cups, um, and you know, like sometimes when you're in a pub, when you're old enough to remember the terraces, like we are. Sometimes when you're in a pub and it's packed and a goal goes in, you know, like when, when England are playing and people step, do, a, do a video of a pub of when England scored, like in a World Cup game or, or a park and all the beers going everywhere. That's just obviously that's essentially like the spirit of the terraces when there's a big game and Chelsea score and just that eruption on the terraces and that movement of bodies and that, that energy and that community and, that, and the singing and, the, and everything, everything that went with it. So when you, you're in a pub and that happens, it's that similar, it's that same spirit, that same release, that same, just, you know, the sweat and the bodies and the booze and the, and, and you know, and, and when you look at, when you look at the footage of Barcelona from the pubs in Fulham Road. Yeah. Well, I was in one. Yeah. So it's that. So you weren't, you weren't in the new Camp, but you were in the new Camp in that boozer with hundreds of sweaty packed bodies falling over each other in, celebration and the adrenaline and the buzz and the and the release 
and the, the dream coming true and the realization that Barcelona weren't going to come back from that. And then there's and then you see a replay and then you do it again and then there's Messi sitting on the floor and crying and everyone's just over <laughs> overjoyed with that with that footage. And then so when I'm in a pub in Munich and I'm watching that unfold, it's still it's like I'm still there. And it so it doesn't matter that I didn't go. It doesn't matter to me. And if it matters to somebody else, then that's fine. That's a, that's that's their opinion, and that's their feeling. And maybe in the, when I was uh, in 1994, someone offered me 500 pounds for my FA Cup ticket, and I said to him, "You could offer me a thousand pounds, and I wouldn't take it. I'm going to go and watch Chelsea win the FA Cup. We lost four 0 but you know, <laughs> I was probably on about 60 pound a week back then. On yeah. like a, it wasn't a YTS, but it was like a YTS. Yeah. yeah. You know, and five hundred pound back then was a lot of money in nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. You know, I was eighteen, nineteen years old, um, and and so again, it's that it's that it's that similar thing. Fingers could have got minimum a thousand euros for that ticket, minimum. But he said, "Once you ain't been well, you ain't got a ticket. You sniffed my fingers at Goodison Park. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, mate. You're going to the final." I went fingers. He went what? I said. Is it all right if I don't go? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> He's, he, he, he knew. Like, I think he kind of put two and two together. And and I was with, obviously, the boys I was with, you, you know, people will read the story for themselves. But whew, there we yeah, go. Amazing. Well, I think, you know, it, it kind of it kind of goes back to what we were saying, doesn't it? That um, I think that when you're, when you're, when you're in that place, you've kind of you've kind of got to know what's what's safe for you and what isn't. You know, and yeah. I think I think you instinctively knew. You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fair play yes. to you. How does that link in with Dan then? At West Ham. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So yeah. Good. Good point. So yeah, back in that moment, uh, on the way to West Ham, I just froze. I just froze and I was like, and it's, it's like, um, I'm going to be really, really honest here, make myself really vulnerable. Before I go out to a game, I pop some Imodium. Because if, I, if I'm getting a train into London and suddenly I think, shit, I've got to get off this train, or I feel like sort of all panicky, then I know that I'm secure. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Once in the cock, the toilet door was shut. Uh, the toilet, the lock was broken. And I was sitting on the toilet with my foot against the door. And it's before we played Leeds. So it must have been 2003. That's how long I've been panicky. <laughs> and it was that, that day they went down. But they were already down, but it was the last game of the season. Of course, Fulham Road was really tense. It was. I remember and, it well. And, and sometimes I don't mind that sort of thing. It gives you like things a bit of an, a bit of an edge. I'm yeah. not a fighter, so it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It's a, bit, it's a bit tense. It's Sometimes it's a bit of a laugh. Uh, other times, I just remember being in this pub, and the pub was like totally on edge. You've got Chelsea groups here, there, and you know, they know they're ready for the big one. Because you know when you know when you go when you've gone for so long, you know yeah, what I'm you saying. Just, you and then just know, you smell it. I just went wallop. Well, something else smelled. I sat in the toilet and I put me. <laughs> I had to put my foot against the door because the lock was broken. And I suddenly thought to myself, why don't I just take Imodium? So I've been doing it, doing that ever since. Anyway, tube outside this tube, everything. I've just gone pale. I started to panic. I cannot get in with a crowd. So we got the cab to Upton Park, and it would have been the same in Munich. There was no way I could have stepped. There would have been no cabs going anywhere. They would have been taken. There is no way I could have stood on a platform and stepped onto a tube uh, to go up to the go up to the grounds. I, no, ch- no, no chance. Like I said, it's like asking you, you, someone. You walked, didn't you, to the Oktoberfest place, didn't you? Yeah, did a lot of walk. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, yeah. yeah that's in the book. I couldn't even go. What's that? Four stops. I couldn't go four stops yeah. from wherever we were uh, to 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 the Oktoberfest venue. Like so we walked that. So. It's one of the most Bonkers. bizarre journeys I've, I've ever had to a football match. You know, that euphoria. It was, you talk about in the book, actually, a bit like, you know, when you let the air out of an airbed. It was like that. Uh, and, and people yeah. were really, I mean, I was with Darren, you know, Darren Dazza, you know, Dazza Mental. Dazza Mental. Yeah, I was with him and uh, his mum. And she's a lovely, lovely lady, but she's quite diddy. And she was getting crushed and she was really scared. And, you know, mm. never, ever let me... Ne- I mean, actually, it's really funny because you mentioned this in the book about the screens, don't you, at the Oktoberfest and the disappearance of German efficiency. Well, on <laughs> on, on, on these tubes, you know, they were stopping. That I mean, you know, in England, right, if the tube's full, 
it says fuck off and just carries on, you know? Yeah. Especially when it's the football. Yeah. yeah. When, it's, when it's the FA Cup final, if you get on at Baker Street, it'll fly straight to Wembley. Yeah, yeah. Right, so it's full and they kept stopping and letting more people on and then they'd stop at another station and we thought, oh, right, there's nobody at this station. Hopefully they're going to, like, get a few people off. And they just sit there for, like, ten minutes. I've never seen anything like it. It was just nuts. But there you go. So, um... Where do I go from there? I mean, basically, I think, you know, i tell you what occurred to me, actually, Walt. And it's kind of like, again, there's a duality about this in a way. You know, reliving, uh, you know, what are intensely personal moments for any Chelsea fan who was involved in a sense. And, of course, we all are, aren't we? And then then being reminded of of what I was thinking during those two matches and, and, and then your perspective on it. The first thing that occurred to me was, you know, I wonder if we'll ever ever experience moments like that again. You know, I think I think it's quite a, an interesting existential uh, thought about Chelsea at the moment mm. because I think we're a long way away from from that, to be mm. really honest. And then, of course, I went to oh god, of course we haven't actually been in a football ground for six months. Will will we ever get back? So it kind of stirred mm. up quite a lot of emotions. But I mean. I mean, do you think we'll ever experience anything like that again? Um, I think, I think yes and no. Yeah. I say no because um, if you could flick your emotions on and off like a light switch, a lot of Man United fans did this after the treble. They said, they said, I can stop now. Yeah, we've done it all. Two months later, they're renewing their season ticket. <laughs> well, I've heard the same with Chelsea fans, as I'm sure you have. Um, I think I don't think we will see the likes of that again. But we'll still we'll, we'll still go and we'll still we'll keep watching. So I think I think I think what made it so important and such a release for so many people is because of the pain of Moscow, because of being robbed against Barcelona before, because of this underlying feelings of corruption, um, feelings of, um, you know, being robbed by the officials, UEFA loaner and all that kind of thing. I think that's the release of all that happening um, came, out of, came out of Munich. So it was like a, it was like a perfect explosion. And of course, knocking Tottenham out of, of course. Out, well, yeah. back down to Europa. It was just everything about it was just perfect. It was, and so it? we can we can live off that for the rest of our lives, uh, and we will. And the players and the players will too. And and um, I mean, uh, I, I remember winning after after winning the FA Cup in '97. I'm coming out the I'm coming out the ground, and these two fellas next to me are completely exhausted because of what's just unfolded. And I think I think I'm correct in saying that we stayed in there celebrating longer than any other team fans of a team had stayed before and they put the music on again i can remember walking on sunshine playing and the, the whole end singing we're walking on sunshine and i'm like this is we're still here singing to singing to this song outside the ground these two fellas said what do we do now mm. and his mate replied Community Shield. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. That is the right. I mean, there is, there is, you know, and I think this is. It's funny, isn't it? There's, there's been a nagging thought in my head really ever since. Um, you know, it's such a difficult one, isn't it? Because I mean, the reason we keep going is because we want to do it again. That's that's why we do. We want to we want to yeah. re-experience things like that. Um, and every time you do win something big again, it, it's different, obviously, but. I have to say, you know, it's it's really tough this one because you cannot, I don't think, beat the first time you win the European Cup. It it, nice. it just doesn't get better than that. You cannot repeat the joy you have and the emotion mm. you have in the first time. And I think the thing that underlines that again, it, it, you kind of alluded to it there, to it there, and it comes through hugely in the book. Um, and it's my abiding memory of the final whistle. We were all crying. Yeah. You were all crying yeah. in that boozer about yeah. a mile or yeah. two down the road from me in the stadium. I was yeah. in tears. Everywhere I looked yeah. around me, 
there were people in tears. Yeah. And I think also because it was so emotional. So yeah. actually, um, one of the things that some of the experts do say is that when you cry, it actually counters stress. It releases an anti-stress thing from your brain because crying is a release. And I say to some of the students I work with, I say to them, if we couldn't cry, we wouldn't. But we've been made... We've been made that way, so therefore, when it comes, let it out, and it's a re it's a release. And I think people, it was a culmination of such a dramatic, you know, it, you know, we haven't even talked talked about, you know, Napoli and Benfica, you know, those, you know, the, the whole, you know, the sacking of AVB and Di Matteo and all that, all that, all that build up, plus the history of, you know, kind of failing and being robbed and Terry slipping and and all these kinds of things, and then suddenly. In all that exhaustion, you know, a missed penalty in extra time, and or a saved penalty, sorry, in extra time, and and all of a sudden you've done it, you're there, and and people were just crying, and I've only I've seen crying at the football three times. The first time was Matthew Harding before the Tottenham game. Second time was um, it was, and I remember it was August the twenty third, and I want to say it was two thousand and two because I just had a job interview, which meant I had to give up my season ticket. And move out of London, um, and uh, it was a minute silence for Holly and Jessica, who had, had been murdered in Soham. Yeah, and they had Man, Man United kits with Beckham on the back, and we were playing Man United. And I remember the Harding lower people just put their arms around each other, and as we, you know, me and I was with Big Chris, we just we welled up, and then and then Munich three three very emotional games for three very different reasons. Um, and I think this is what makes me angry, Chidge, about, you know, about if I, if I, uh, if I get emotional at a football game, I'm not even saying using words that run, that using swear words or cursing. If I get emotional at a football game and I'm on camera from BT or Sky, or if I'm on camera because someone's filming me and that gets twisted out of context. I lose my job. And I, I, I have been going with mates that now are high up in education, um, that are, um, have respectable jobs. And even if you haven't got a respectable job, it doesn't matter. I know, I know guys that were pulled off a train after an FA cup game and whacked in the uh, cell overnight, released the next day, no evidence. Number one, they still got fines. Number two, they lost their season tickets. For you know, this I mean, you might know similar stories, and I think that's why. Oh, and all that we've talked about about the pub and the friendship and the there is this this nagging thing in the back of my head that just thinks, even even if I was standing up on my seat and go, oh, why don't you just give me a C? I've had someone say to me that looks like you're doing a Nazi um, uh, a Nazi gesture, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like this Arsenal fan that I know, but that you know that's that's kind of like this background fear where I've seen innocent shit happen to innocent people from the from because the, of the old bill and because of the club, and and I think that's why the that's why the pub is the best bit before and after for me. Um, it wouldn't it'd be great if we could just all stand and sing. I mean, look at if we were sat if it's Saturday, right? If we were playing, if we were able to go to the game, we're playing Palace. For those that are listening in however, in a week's time or whatever, or two weeks' time, we're playing Palace tomorrow at home at half past 12. We lost on penalties in the last game. Our whole ground would be singing Super Frank. Yeah. Our whole ground yeah, would be yeah, singing Super yeah, Frank. Definitely, definitely. That's, so, that's a really good point, actually. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know Liam very well he's been on the podcast a lot with us but Liam Liam Toomey who writes for The Athletic yeah we fell out oh really that's alright yeah never mind he's a good <laughs> lad actually he's he, a... delete, he deleted the tweet and you were the bridge between us to bring um, some mediation okay I don't even remember but anyway no, that was, it was a few years ago it was a few years ago but uh, he, he, he they've got their own podcast uh, The Athletic and, and he said something really exactly he nailed that bless him and I, I gave him a lot of credit for it on Twitter but basically saying 
exactly that that you know that's the one thing that we're missing at the moment because we're not in the stadium and if 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 Chelsea fans were in the stadium they would be four square behind Frank and none of these issues about Lampard out that you're seeing on Twitter and all that yeah. bollocks would be going on because it would yeah, be so no, obvious that we would be 100% behind him yeah and, and I think that's the thing that we're that, that's boiling up in a lot of us as well is that we don't have that outlet and so what you know matey behind the keyboard is ruffling feathers and um, and actually, we you know we all know that if we were there, it'd be different. Um, so just to set the scene, um, I'm in Barcelona with Larry. It's the night before the game. We've flown in and we've got a coach. Uh, coach. We've train. got a train from yeah. train from Valencia to Barcelona, and this is just a little bit um, um, early evening. Okay, here we go. This is about two pages. Crossing a square, there are people intermittently offering us business cards in an attempt to usher us into their establishment. And Larry talks to one lady with crazy corkscrew hair, sunglasses perched on the top of her head, the hearty natural laugh of an extrovert and an admission that she's on commission. So Larry takes her business card and he asks for another one for me. I hear him with a twinkle in his voice say, Carla, I promise you we'll go there after dinner. I laugh that she's told him her name, that personal touch, and her Spanish accent is as beautiful as her dark skin, and she flirts slightly. She says to Larry, make sure you bring your friends with you, and this makes me instinctively wave at her as Larry hands me one of the business cards she gave him, and I place it in the back right pocket of my jeans. Dinner is two bottles of mineral water and a half-pound burger and large fries for me and a tonne of salad. Larry has two pints and a steak with chips and salad, and now he's got a thirst on. A night out in Barcelona awaits. I pay the bill with cash, leave a tip for the waiter, and he takes a photo of both of us. It's the first photo we've had. Out we go. The evening is colder now. The wind has picked right up. I'm glad I've got my jacket. Once again, I step in time with Larry, and for the first time I notice he has a new pair of Adidas Stan Smiths on. While admiring them, a distinctive sound cuts right through us. It teases us on the breeze coming across the wind. We turn to look at each other. Larry looks the happiest I've seen him. A weight has come off his shoulders. We can hear where we are going before we can see the venue. Carla wasn't lying. She said there were loads of them in there. The unmistakable anthem, the best song in the world, the reason we are here, the reason we do the things that we do. It carries on the wind. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. We step through the open door with our arms aloft. There's about 60 Chelsea to our left and 10 or so standing at the bar to our right. And most of them look over as one as we've walked in off the street. I punch the air in time. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Larry sings as he steps up to the bar, both of his long arms in the air. Strangers pat him on the back. Vociferous. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. I scan around. I don't see anyone that I recognise. The lads from Putney are still back at the other place, maybe. I move to the side of the bar and I position myself by an empty stool, standing for now, and I watch Larry pull out Carla's business card. The barman has his back to Larry. It's adorned with palm trees. It's a proper Hawaiian shirt. He's peacocking it. He's sorting out something by the till. He's got a red hat on his head, like a joke fez number that Tommy Cooper would wear. Dark curls are sticking out from the back and the sides. Once he turns around, he smiles jovially at Larry with Catalan eyes. His pencil moustache is twitching. He clocks the business card and beams. 10% off your first drinks. I can't hear Larry, but I work out that he's talking to the barman about spirits because the barman shows him a goblet and Larry makes a shape with his hands that says bigger. The barman laughs and reaches up above his head, slightly on tiptoes, and he brings down an even bigger goblet and the barman fills it with ice and points at the various bottles of rum until Larry instructs. Stop. Yes, please. That one. The barman carries the bottle of rum over to him, puts it on the top of the bar, and I give him my order as he tips the bottle over the ice. It makes a satisfying gurgling as the rum continues oozing out, and the Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea seems to be in time with the glug, glug, glug of the golden rum pouring out the bottle, and the singing feels like it goes up a notch. More determination this time, like the other year up at Anfield, two years ago next month, our pre-match battle cry drowning out their shit and everyone in the way end has got goosebumps because we win this, we're one game away from winning the league. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. There we go. 
Waltz, that's absolutely brilliant. What a, what a lovely and almost, I'd say, perfect, perfect way to end this. Um, you know, I, I always think it's such a privilege when you, when you hear, Jonathan Kidd would disagree, obviously, but I think it's a privilege <laughs> when you hear the guy who's written the book reading out a passage because, you know, they've lived it. They, it, it, mm. it it's different, you know. It's a, it's a completely different thing, you know. You're getting mm. the, the the honest interpretation of it, if you see what I mean. So I really thank you for that. That was special. Right. When's it coming out? How do we get it? So um, I hopefully next week I'm going to have some paperback paperbacks delivered and I'm going to do like uh, I've got there's basically 40 of them and I'm going to do them just over Twitter to like Twitter friends um, it's actually already gone live uh, on Amazon um, the Kindle's 295 and the paperback 795 um, these 40 paperbacks will be a little bit cheaper um, and so, yeah, just check Twitter from the, I would say the 8th of October, maybe next weekend, October the 10th. But if you, if you're listening to this and whatever, whatever the date is, you're listening to this, you can just type it in, type, type, um, let the celery decide into Amazon and it's, it's already there if you want it. Brilliant stuff. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's around the world, is it? Cause we've got a lot of Americans that, uh, love our stuff, you know, love your stuff. That is a really good question. And on that, actually, there is um, there is there are two scenes with a busker where a bus where a busker sings. It just came up on autoplay on my YouTube while I was typing. The song really impacted me. So I got permission from the record company to use it. It's like a spiritual God Squad type song, but it's very relaxing, uh, sort of meditative thing. And um, I spoke, I uh, got in touch with the uh, with the singer saying, you know, I've actually used this song. Do you mind? Do you want a copy? He lives in America. He said, no, let me when. Let, let me when? Let me know when. <laughs> and so I need to look. Now I know it's live on Amazon now. I need, actually do need to look to see if that includes the US of A. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully. Otherwise, we'll just have to get him some hooky copies, won't we, Walt? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm sure Mr. Warrell at Gate 17 um, has already... He's already on it. If he hasn't yeah. done it already, he'll do it next week. Bless him. Mike, yeah, bless him. And uh, Mark, I know you'll be listening to this, that me and Walt love you and we uh, are wishing you the best. Are we not? He, he's, he's, um, he's, he's tough, man. I mean, I've been texting him every, <laughs> I've been texting him every day for a week yeah. saying, how are you? He's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I might be in here for another day. He's going to be in for another week, I think, but I he's, he's, he's full of courage and he's, 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 he's strong, isn't he? Yeah, Bless I, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, what I do know is that he's certainly got on the case in terms of American distribution with all of the Gate 17 yeah. stuff because he's recognised yeah. that there's a market there. Yeah, he, he's always done it before. So if he hasn't done it yet, it will be next week. So thank you, Christian Pulisic fans. There we go. Yeah, what, what do they call themselves? I can't remember. But anyway, um, brilliant stuff. <laughs> I, 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 let's not get into that. Um Right. Well, look, you know, make sure, you know, you send me any links and stuff and I'll make sure that we tweet it out from the Chelsea Fancast in terms of getting some more, you know, publicity for it and, and uh, enabling people to go and buy it. Because having just read it today, they're in for an absolute treat, as they always are uh, whenever I read your stuff. So there you go. Thank you. It's been thank brilliant. You. Brilliant. Brilliant catching up with you as well, mate. Yeah. Thank you for having me, as always. Um, and thank you to everyone that, that buys it. It does... Um, it still is takes me by surprise really sometimes when i'm in a pub and someone comes up and says you won't so i go yeah and there's a drink there to say thanks for what you've written and it does blow me away every time and i i, I mean that genuinely so thanks to everyone that buy it. and if you don't like it that's all right just whack it on ebay and get a few quid for it <laughs> brilliant well well that was brilliant thank you mate Podcasts, die wir lieben. Es ist nicht alles gay, was glänzt. Oder doch? Das klären wir jetzt in Busenfreundin, der Podcast. 
Hey Leute, mein Name ist Ricarda. Ich bin Comedy-Autorin und die Stimme des LGBTIQ-Podcasts Busenfreundin. Und ich treffe jede Woche spannende Menschen und spreche mit ihnen über alles, was die queere Szene bewegt. Bei Busenfreundin gibt es Unterhaltung gepaart mit Haltung. Oft. Also nicht immer, denn manchmal schweife ich auch ab. Zum Beispiel mit Leuten wie Ricardo Simonetti, Sarah Kuttner und vielen, vielen mehr. Also schaltet jetzt ein zu Busenfreundin, eurem Lieblings-LGBTIQ-Infotainment-Podcast. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst. 